Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. How in the world did hackers shut down the gasoline supply to the East Coast? And why, after five days, is the pipeline still shut down. We will get to the bottom of this tonight on the show. And our biggest ally in the Middle East, Israel, is under attack. Does this have anything to do with the Biden administration pulling back support from Israel? Also tonight, election audits are happening in Arizona and New Hampshire. The Democrats are trying their best to shut them down. What are they so afraid of? And blue state policies have turned a famous beach destination into a dangerous homeless camp. We will tell you where not to go for your next vacation. All of that and more tonight on Dr. Gina Primetime. Here in Palm Beach, Florida, it is officially the end of season. And that means that many Florida residents head a little north for colder weather in the summer, including the one and only President Trump. He is off to spend a few months at his beach resort in Bedminster, New Jersey. We gave President Trump a wonderful send-off. He made the rounds Mother's Day at brunch at Mar-a-Lago, and you can see he and Melania and Barron all saying hello. Got to introduce my daughter Lily, who he's met before, but uh, he got to see her uh, for the first time this season that she graced us, I guess, over there. She doesn't always make the rounds with us there. And you can also see him see him saying hello to Nigel Farage, a.k.a. Mr. Brexit. In that video, Nigel was around for much of the weekend at many of the events. Nigel's the one person who is always welcome wherever the president is residing. So Nigel's become quite a fixture here in Palm Beach, just like so many of those who have always been loyal to President Trump from the beginning. Interestingly, as I try to always say, when Nigel is around, he is the one who made sure, after I worked for the president for about a year and a half before ever meeting him, that uh, he made sure that I met the president in person the very first time that I did meet the president. Uh, and it was at a Trump hotel uh, quite a long time ago, a few years ago now. Now, since it is the end of season, the Mar-a-Lago staff lets their hair down, so to speak. And even though they were so professional and quiet all during the year, you suddenly realize that they're all Donald Trump super fans. They love the man they work for. And he stood and got selfies and he signed their hats and their uh, money and everything that he could think to sign that wasn't just absolutely bolted down to the floor. He tips them as he always does. He just signs and does everything that they want him to do and spends an inordinate amount of time with them at the end of season on those last few days that Mar-a-Lago is open. And then Mar-a-Lago does shut down for a massive renovation every year at the end of season. And that is how Mar-a-Lago stays in its absolute splendor that it does stay in as every season 
opens back up. Now, I was lucky enough to also get to spend some time with the staff talking to them about their summer plans, which I always enjoy, and thanking them for the great job they do at the club all year. We get close to the staff. We get attached. And then if they don't come back the next year, we're always really sad. And I stay in touch with a lot of them via social media also, now, later that day, our friend, as you know, former host here on air, Governor Eric Greitens, held a fundraiser um, at a home nearby, Mar-a-Lago, and so even though season is over, we'll still end up, I promise you, being busy down here in Palm Beach. I happen to know that Laura Trump will be in town this particular week, and others will be coming in town to do some fundraising and to do some other business. There will be various charity events. I already found out about one this week happening, and so there will be plenty of things happening around Palm Beach, and as I understand it, 45 is getting ready to fire up the rally machine again. Now, I don't know if that'll be happening over the summer or if he'll be waiting until fall to do that, but uh, that will be happening, and he will be making some visits this way, I understand, as well. And in addition, I do have plans, you should know, to visit Bedminster this summer with some friends, and uh, we will be taking some cameras along to that adventure as well. Coming up, Democrats are trying to sabotage election audits in New Hampshire and Arizona. We have Jim Hopped on the Arizona News Circuit and Heather Mullins on the ground in New Hampshire with a report on what is happening with that audit there. All of that and more coming up on Dr. Gina Primetime, so you're going to want to stick around. Lots to cover here. Big, big show. Don't go away. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Welcome back. Now, as you can see in the corner of your screen, we are still monitoring the Arizona election audit there just as we promised we would be. And just like all of the other news media out there, right? Oh, whoops. Wait. I guess not. And up in New Hampshire, in the town of Wyndham, a forensic audit of the 2020 election began today. And over at the Gateway Pundit, I saw this headline, Wyndham, New Hampshire, Patriots file emergency injunction against sham audits set to begin Tuesday morning. So that's why we have Heather Mullins up in New Hampshire and Jim Hoff, the Gateway Pundit himself, joining us from his secure bunker near St. Louis, Missouri. And I am honored to have both of you with us tonight. Thank you so much. Thanks, Dr. Thank Gina. You, Gina. Heather, um, I want to start with you. Um, lots of news out of Wyndham, New Hampshire right now with the election audit that was supposed to start today. Do tell us. Yeah, so today what ended up happening was is at a National Guard facility in Pembroke, New Hampshire, about 10 minutes from where I'm at right now, um, at the Capitol, uh, basically what they did is they brought the four voting machines and all 10,000 ballots to this National Guard facility. Uh, what they did is they brought it in. There were four cameras around the room, which they're actually live streaming to the New Hampshire government website, so you can go there. There was a little bit of concern where the assistant for the Attorney General's office that was there was saying that the live stream was going to be shut down. Uh, at six when they left the facility. 
and people weren't really happy about that, but they did assure me that this live stream is now going to be uh, streaming all throughout the night. Uh, what they did though, is they looked at 27 boxes containing the ballots. They showed all four sides of the boxes to a camera. Two of the three experts were there. You had Harry Hursty, who's known for his Chilkeen documentary on HBO, the Hacking, or Hacking Democracy documentary. He was the Secretary of State's pick uh, for this audit. The Town of Wyndham's pick, uh, Mark Lindemann of Verified Voting was there. He's the one that stirred up some controversy because he had sent a letter that he co-signed to the Arizona Senate telling them to not do their audit. Uh, so there is some concern about the picks. The third pick is a UC uh, Berkeley professor, Philip Stark, who's supposed to be arriving tonight. They don't officially open the boxes containing the ballots or uh, the machines until tomorrow at 9 a.m., which I'll be here for. And Jim, the New Hampshire authorities say the funkiness here in this election is isolated and that it means absolutely nothing outside this little town. What's your take on this? Well, you know, Dr. Cheatham, we've, we've heard that from every state now where this has happened. We heard that from Antrim County in uh, Michigan. We've heard that in Arizona. And, and now, of course, we're hearing this in Windrum. I uh, have some contacts up there in Windrum who I spoke with today. And by the way, Heather was excellent with her update, very informative. My contacts there, the grassroots people, um, they're very upset. They think they got uh, shafted. They think that uh, the, the elites picked three, uh, uh, three auditors who aren't really gonna do an audit. Um, and they certainly are not going to do uh, to the extent what they're doing in Arizona, which is uh, a forensic audit with uh, ultraviolet, um, uh, ultraviolet light to look at the ballots. Uh, and um, so they're pretty upset. Now today, Ken Eyring, he was a, he's a local activist there. He had uh, uh, issued an injunction. He called me earlier, we spoke, and he was waiting to hear back from the court to see if uh, they were gonna honor that. It doesn't sound like they did, um, but, and they were also, Ken was gonna send me pictures from inside, maybe, I'm sure Heather has more information on this, but he said that the, the observers, the, uh, the grassroots people, of course, are six feet apart, and uh, they're very far away from um, the activity. So again, the locals are very upset. And uh, according to Ken, he's saying that some of the locals want to see if there's any way that they can perform their own audit and hire someone. The person they wanted was Jovan Pulitzer, who does, again, the ultraviolet testing on the ballots to see if they're complete fakes. Um, but uh, we'll see, and I, you know, that's a, that's a reach, but that's what they want to do. And Heather, what are you hearing um, in reference to the things that Jim just asked about? Yes, I think uh, one of the biggest concerns for some people is that originally this bill, Senate Bill 43, was supposed to have like three different independent auditors that are going to be working together, right? The first person, the Secretary of State picks, the second person, the town picks, the third person, those two pick together. And right now, where it currently stands, all three people have actually worked with verified voting. Mark. Lindemann, who is the co-director there, uh, is uh, basically the big controversy. But Philip Stark, the UC Berkeley professor, used to be on the board of advisors, as did Harry Hursty. So I think some of what I'm hearing is that people are wondering, how did we end up with three people that all sort of worked closely uh, with this organization? Should it have been a more diverse team? I certainly think so. But at the end of the day, as long as they're transparent, it really doesn't matter who's doing the audit, right? If someone changes the oil in your car and you film them doing it, it doesn't matter what their political beliefs are, you know what you see. So 
really the, what's most important for this particular investigation is that they're as transparent as possible. And so the big concern was, what, are they going to stop these live streams? Um, and actually, what they ended up doing was going out and getting alarm clocks that they set with the time that are now on top of the boxes of ballots. And there's also a clock that's on top of the voting machine. So as you're watching the live stream, it'll have a, uh, a clock on top that tells you the digital time so people can't then go and chop up the live stream footage. So, so far it's been pretty transparent, but rest assured if there's any problems along the way, I'm gonna let you guys know. And Heather, this audit happening there in Wyndham isn't happening because Republicans wanted it, but this all started because the Democrats wanted a recount in a close race. But what they found was a bunch of Republicans, Republican votes that actually weren't counted. Describe this for us. Yeah, so what ended up happening was is a Democrat running for a local race here lost by 24 votes. So under New Hampshire law, she was entitled to a recount. That recount found that of the 10,006 votes, the machine was off over 1,000. So that's 10 to 11 percent. Uh, and then specifically what it did is all of the Republicans in that race gained about 300 votes in the recount. She lost 100 votes. So it specifically took from Republicans and it added votes to the Democrats. Why that is, we're going to find out. But ultimately, that's what led her to petition the selectmen. And then eventually, Senator Bob Guida sponsored a bill that would require the attorney general and secretary of state to investigate. Because when they were originally approached about it, they said that they weren't going to investigate because she still would have lost. It would have changed the outcome of the vote. But what's important to note is that these machines are used in 85 percent of New Hampshire counties. And the only race specifically that has been looked at so far as hers. So not the federal races, not the presidential race, just hers. So that's why this is so big and could potentially impact more than just the tiny little town of Wyndham. Jim, turning now to the Arizona audit on your site, gatewaypundit.com, there's this headline, <clears throat> stunning testimony, Arizona elections witness testifies uh, that private company was scanning ballots offsite not election workers, then delivering them to the counting center. Jim, that should be the headline in every single newspaper today. But all we hear is just a big yawn from the mainstream media. Why is that? Yeah, isn't that stunning? Now, this, this testimony was actually back in November, and it was after the, uh, the, the election. And during this person's testimony, uh, Governor Ducci actually certified the results. When, when this person was up uh, and others were testifying in front of the uh, Arizona legislature. What she said was that she had been into the uh, Maricopa County Center six different days, and she saw that they kept bringing ballots in. They never would tell the people there how many were left. So this happened for six days after the election, which of course is very fishy. And then they, she was told, and this is a, a person who had some IT experience, does a, a She's, she's worked with computers and with systems and with planning and planning projects. And so she was like, you know, a lot, a lot of things didn't click with her. She also saw that uh, these, these ballots were being checked first over at another facility by a different company. And then they were being scanned there and then they'd ship them over to uh, the Maricopa County Center. None of that makes sense, Dr. Gina. This was never looked at. And uh, her testimony is just starting to make some waves again. And I'm glad we, we posted it because it's unbelievable that this happened and then that they're, they're trying to pretend that this was such a you know safe election there in Maricopa. None of it makes sense. 
And help us understand the, the routers in question here too, um, because we hear about the routers and the hard drives, Jim, explain that to us. Yeah, so, you know, you, you we really need IT people to explain exactly what's going on. But um, with the routers and the passwords, the Maricopa County officials said last week, late last week, that they can't turn those over. And then they can't, and it took them a week to respond. Then they, they added that we don't have the password uh, to, to these machines. And that's just absolutely stunning. What that says is that Dominion, the company they were working with, had the access to the machines and the people there uh, who, who uh, were, were working inside the Maricopa facility counting the ballots, that is something they didn't have. So, so Dominion was running these machines completely. And uh, uh, it's just, it's shocking news. It should have been national headlines, but of course it wasn't. And um, Heather, let me ask you this question. Why not just throw open the books and let us see the votes? Joe Biden and the Democrats supposedly did great in this election. So I don't understand what everyone's so afraid of. Just let us see answer the questions and everyone can move forward. I don't understand why everyone's so afraid of that if they're so confident that they have this major victory. Yeah, you know, uh, I mean, every state's laws are different in terms of like what their ballots look like, what kind of information, is there any voter information? So that's sort of like one reason why you may or may not be able to see votes in certain states. You know, I think one of the big things that we need to start getting to uh, in America is getting to a place where you have these election officials that don't know how to use this technology and so they're sort of like transferring the authority over our elections to people that do and so now what you have is you have these third-party companies like dominion or you know accuvote or lhs associates here in new hampshire that are essentially overseeing our elections not the people we elected to run them and so what i personally think should happen is that each and every county needs to elect one elect one it person who's qualified to know exactly how these machines work inside and out so that they're accountable to the people in their district not these random people we didn't elect because like he was mentioning in uh, Arizona, where they these election officials don't have passwords and admin access to the machines running the elections. This is unacceptable and something that we as a, a country need to move past. Same thing happened in Georgia when I was covering there, is I would go into all these different election boards and they have uh, their contract with Dominion allowed for one tech to go to each and every uh, county to help them with the machines. So it's like, if you don't know how to run the machines, maybe we shouldn't be using them yet until everyone gets educated on the same level so we actually know what's going on in our election. Um, there was a statement last night by the 45 offices of Donald J. Trump that said the major Michigan election fraud case has just filed a bombshell pleading claiming votes were intentionally switched from President Trump to Joe Biden. The number of votes is massive and determinative. Um, and it goes on to say this will prove in numerous uh, this will prove true in numerous other states. Republicans must unify, not let this happen. Um, this goes on and on. Um, and uh, Jim, you have also written about this um, in Gateway Pundit. You uh, told some uh, the, of the um, stories on your website also about major movement um, in Michigan vote fraud investigation. Um, tell us your version of what the president is talking about here, the former president, and uh, in your view, what is happening and what this might mean to the other audits and the other things happening in, around the country. So in Michigan yesterday, attorney Matthew DiPerno went before the board and he asked to extend his investigation, to expand it. 
he wants to get uh, numbers and machines and data from surrounding counties to see, to compare to the Antrim County investigation he already has. In his investigation though, he released documents on Friday that said as Donald Trump had, had uh, written at the, the Trump uh, website that uh, they, they found it determinative, they found they confirmed, they found they believe fraud. Um, so this was, uh, this was when Matthew DiPerno briefed yesterday when he went in to, to ask to expand this, uh, this audit to different counties. I think it's a reasonable request. We're going to see uh, if, if he gets that, if it's allowed by the judge there. It was interesting yesterday during the hearing, um, the state of Michigan, um, under the Democrat leadership and under Democrat Secretary of State, they had six attorneys there. Matthews was there by himself. And then the local GOP attorney, which we wrote about too, Signing with the Democrats. So it's one of those times again, you're like, it makes you scratch your head and say, what the hell's going on here? Excuse me, but um, uh, it, it doesn't make any sense. And I think Donald Trump is right. I think the only issue that, that Republicans have right now, the one they have to look at, the one they have to resolve is, are we going to have fair elections? We put up more numbers today that said that Donald Trump, uh, he won more women than he did in 2016. He won more blacks in 2016 one more Latino, one more people on the border, one more uh, immigrant, legal immigrant, and yet he lost this election? None of that makes sense. And Republicans need to wake up. They need to solve this, or we'll never win another national election. Well, you know that Joe Biden, he is just one magnanimous uh, guy. You can understand that <laughs> he probably got more votes than any other president ever in history. Makes perfect sense to me, Amazing. Jim. I don't know what you're questioning. <laughs> I do. I do so appreciate both of you being the pit bulls you are, being on top of these stories. There are so few in media with the spinal cord and the tenacity and the stick to to stay on top of this. It's just embarrassing. You have two heroes right here following this all the way through for you, the American people. Thank you so much. Jim Hoff of thegatewaypundit.com and our own Heather Mullins of RAV TV. Thank you both. Thanks, Dr. Gina. Thank you, Gina. Coming up, hackers have shut down fuel pipelines that supply gasoline to the southeast portion of the United States. And I want to know, how the heck did that happen? And why is it still happening? Former FBI National Joint Terrorism Task Force member Steve Rogers, up next right here. Dr. Gina Primetime. Don't go away. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. Now, the East Coast of the United States is experiencing a gasoline shortage today, if you hadn't heard, after Russian hackers disabled the computer systems that control the Colonial Pipeline that flows from Texas to New Jersey and feeds several states with their fuel supply. Now, this is the fifth day of this shutdown, and some areas of fuel lines are forming as panicked consumers try to find gasoline 
for their cars. So I'm sure you all are wondering the same thing I'm wondering. How the heck did this happen and why is this lasting for days? Here with all the answers, former FBI National Joint Terrorism Task Force member, Lieutenant Steve Rogers. Lieutenant, great to see you. Thanks for being with us tonight. A pleasure to be here. Thank you. Steve, tell me, how was this hack allowed to happen in the first place? And um, how do you hack a pipeline? Break it down for us. Well, there are a few things going on here. This is clearly a national security problem at the moment. Uh, and all these roads lead back to the White House. And I'll qualify what I just said. Number one, uh, not much money or consideration from Washington has been considered to help secure our infrastructure. And part of that infrastructure is the prevention of cyber attacks. Now, I remember when President Trump was in office, he was working on programs that would bring partnerships between business industry and the government to do what? To put firewalls up, to put preventive measures in our infrastructure to prevent such an attack. That's the first thing. The second thing, you know, you poke the bear in the face a little too much, you're gonna get bitten. Well, Joe Biden uh, has been consistently criticizing Vladimir Putin. He has been taking him to task publicly and make no mistake about it, uh, although there is not much proof now, perhaps there will be in the future, because nothing goes on with Russians uh, to, at this magnitude unless Putin approves of it. Uh, we now have Putin's response. And the response is, look, here's what I can do to your country. Uh, if you want more of it, just keep on poking me in the face. So how did it happen? Well, you have the uh, president of the United States, Joe Biden, poking the bear in the nose. You have a lack of funding uh, not only regarding the infrastructure and the cyber issues that we are facing, but also a lack of funding with the collection of intelligence and information that we badly need in this country to prevent such attacks. Mm, yep, you said it, Steve. They say Russians are to blame for this hack, so why aren't we hearing from the news media about how the White House is tied to the Kremlin and that the president is a puppet of Vladimir Putin and not willing to stand up to him? I mean, of course, we know the answer to this, don't we? Um, they're going to blame Trump. But if you want to blame a president, I don't understand why no one is calling out Joe Biden for his very, very close and very profitable relationship with the Chinese and how he would benefit from um, poking the bear that, as you say, is Russia. Well, here's what's going on. Uh, when President Donald Trump was in office, he uh, took Hillary's reset button. Remember that, Dr. Gina? And he threw mm -hmm. it out the, the door. And he turned that into a respect button. Uh, Vladimir Putin and other world leaders were fearful of Donald Trump. And he kept them in check because they had no idea what type of response they would get. But it certainly wouldn't be the very quiet, subtle response that they're getting from the White House. Uh, Putin knows that. He knows that he could roll over Joe Biden anytime he wants. President Xi of China knows that. He's demonstrated what he can do by violating Taiwanese airspace consistently. And uh, frankly, look what Hamas is doing to Israel at this hour, for goodness sakes. Right. President Joe right. Biden is responsible for all that is happening around the world, but especially he has demonstrated uh, that he cannot respond to cyber attacks that could truly cripple our country if Russia or any nation decides to uh, strike at us again. It's been five days, Steve. So why has this not been resolved? And when do we expect it to be resolved? Well, it's been five days and it'll probably be a bit longer because uh, we weren't prepared. Now, why weren't we be prepared? Well, I'm sure there'll be enough Senate and uh, congressional hearings that, to answer that question. 
But the fact of the matter is uh, this will continue to go on until such time uh, they find a solution to the problem. They won't admit it, Dr. Gina. They, they don't know how it happened. Uh, we certainly know why it happened, but they don't even have a solution to this problem, which tells you what. They could strike any time, any place in this country. Uh, so we better wake up and realize that we've got a problem on our hands and we've got to now think about being proactive because it's not just gas being shut off at the pumps. It's a national security problem at this moment. And this is real infrastructure. So will this be addressed in the infamous infrastructure bill? Well, I've read some of that bill. I haven't seen anything in there that would address the uh, a true proactive uh, uh, a preventive type of response to cyber attacks. Uh, I understand at least some of what, what I read, a lot of what's in that infrastructure bill has nothing to do with the infrastructure, for goodness sakes. It has a lot right. to do with projects that these uh, congressional representatives want. But let's make one thing very clear that this is dead serious business when a foreign country uh, decides to want to hurt us because this is truly hurting us. And look, I live in New Jersey, as you know, gas prices are going up. When I saw the video of gas uh, uh, prices up down south and the lines three, four miles long, it reminded me of the Carter days. During the Jimmy Carter days, uh, the lines were long, the gas uh, prices were up. Why? Because of his foreign policy. History's repeating itself. It's interesting that Joe Biden was with Jimmy Carter a few weeks ago. Maybe they had a conversation. But the fact of the matter is, is that we're seeing history repeat itself because of our lack of preparedness in keeping what? America first. Great point. Really great point. And I'll tell you, here, even in Freedom, Freedom, Florida, I don't know of any lines yet, but I can tell you our gas prices are up significantly. Thank you so much, Lieutenant Steve Rogers. Always appreciate your wisdom on these things. Always a pleasure. Thank you. All right. Now, as you probably have heard, over in Israel, rockets are being launched into Tel Aviv from Gaza and the terror organization Hamas claims they just launched 130 rockets in their latest attack just after nightfall tonight in Israel. So what is happening that is causing our ally in the Middle East to be attacked right now? Let's ask the director of the Middle East Forum, Greg Roman. Greg, thank you so much for being here. Uh, Greg, it, this is just almost unfathomable. A hundred days ago, we had what we understood was going to be peace in the Middle East. Uh, we weren't foreseeing anything like this. Break it down for us. Why is this attack happening and why is it happening now? I think it's a little bit of a you know, preemptory position to say that there had been peace in the Middle East between Israel and the Palestinians, maybe between Israel and her Muslim Arab neighbors, excluding Syria, Turkey, and Iran. But as it relates to the condition in the country, this has been a boiling point, which has taken 30 days to reach since the beginning of the Islamic holiday of Ramadan at the beginning of April. Starting from April 8th until four days ago, we found a position that um, Israel day by day was seeing itself having more and more uh, attacks which were being inspired by Palestinian social media against its citizens, both in the West Bank and in Israel proper, because of endless incitement being broadcast by Hamas, the terror organization, Islamic Jihad, its smaller cousin, and Fatah, the individual group that the United States calls a partner for peace, but who's only interested in their own kleptocracy, maintenance of power, and incitement against the Jewish presence in Jerusalem. 
It started off with knifing attacks, which took place last week. Uh, a Palestinian terrorist, 44-year-old man, shot three young boys, one of whom died and two of whom are still in the hospital. Fast forward three days later, riots began on the Temple Mount, where the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, the Western Wall, and the Al-Aqsa Mosque are all stationed. And that quickly went into lynchings that were taking place on the streets of Jerusalem yesterday. And then at 6 p.m. Israel time, 11 a.m. Eastern time, Hamas decided to launch a volley of rockets into Jerusalem proper in what they're now calling the battle to liberate Gaza and Jerusalem. So if anything, this has been well-planned. It has been calculated. It comes on the back of the Palestinian parliamentary elections being delayed by a year because of their president, Mahmoud Abbas's desire to stay in power, even though he has liver failure, uh, kidney problems, and no heir apparent. And Israel, just coming over the coronavirus pandemic a few weeks later, is now looking at a four-front war with the Palestinians in Jerusalem, the West Bank, Gaza, and a civil war, which seems to be erupting in one of its own major city centers near Tel Aviv and the Arab-majority city of Lod. So a lot can change in 24 hours, and that's what Israel's currently facing. It's always been a concern that um, Hamas would make an attempt to try to overwhelm the anti-rocket defense system that we all know has been in place for a long time. Um, does it look like that is what is going to happen with this constant onslaught of, of uh, fire? I think that when we speak about attempts to overwhelm an anti-missile defense system, we're only speaking about tactical defense. The only way that Hamas will stop firing is if we look at lessons from 2008, 2009, 2012, 2014, it's when the Israelis decide to invade Gaza or to get to the precipice of a ground invasion after a major aerial bombardment. Those systems, like Iron Dome, another David Sling, which is meant for larger missiles, and Arrow, which is a project of Boeing, the U.S. Missile Defense Agency, and Israel's Ministry of Defense, are meant to buy time for Israel to be able to get freedom to operate by taking out rocket facilities in Gaza. It's not meant to be a cure-all for conflict in that region. So to look at the missile defense system as something that will end the war or will disincentivize the Gazan militant and terrorist groups from launching rockets against Israel, they'll just get to a tit-for-tat battle. We'll fire more rockets and we'll try to overwhelm your interceptors. Israel will fire more interceptors and hope that they're overwhelming the rockets fired at it. But at the end of the day, the only thing that's going to stop this is a devastating blow to Hamas in Gaza. And unfortunately, that will lead to many more deaths, both on the Israeli and the Palestinian sides. But Israel can't go for just just like it's had four elections in the last two years. And it's just been trying to stop the inevitable downfall of Benjamin Netanyahu, which actually Hamas may have secured his position in power for another four years because of this bombardment today. Israel should not look to its leadership and say, hey, we're going to fight a fifth and a sixth and a seventh round. You've now had Hamas launch their most devastating attack against Israeli city centers since the establishment of the Hamas movement. And in doing so, this should invite the end of that organization. Uh, my next question was going to be, when does this stop? But you answered that. You say Israel has yeah. to go on the defensive, or on the offensive, rather. And so um, what's your prediction? Uh, you know, we don't see that from Israel. So do you expect 
a move from Israel? Are they in a cornered position where you predict that inevitability? I think if we look to December 27th, 2008, which is, you know, who remembers that day for anything else other than the onset of the Obama administration after the uh, George Bush administration, George W. Bush administration's final days. Uh, the Israeli defense minister got on the Israeli equivalent of Saturday Night Live. And what this made Hamas think is, is that, oh, we may have been launching rockets for the past six weeks, but the Israeli minister of defense is going on a comedy show. What damage could he do to us? They, Of course, they're going to want to cease fire. So he goes on, he makes fun of himself, he goes home. And at 6 a.m. the next morning, Israel launched its most devastating aerial bombardment with over 300 planes of every major Hamas installation in Gaza, thereby starting what would then become Operation Cast Lead. And in doing so, Israel was able to deliver a message to Hamas, which bought five years of quiet until the next major ground operation in 2014, and it's been seven years since then. This is what has to be, in my belief, the operation to end all operations against Palestinian terrorist infrastructure. You have to root out the ability to make rockets. You have to hermetically seal the border between Gaza and Egypt, which is where the smuggling tunnels allow Hamas to bring rockets into its territory. And you have to send a psychological message to the people who live in Gaza that Israel will not tolerate their leadership anymore. And there's real consequences for them to have to suffer, which may not be the most political thing to say, but I'd rather have Israel be safe because it's an American ally and it's in tune with us rather than having a terror organization call the shots. You're looking at this fire right now that's on screen. Imagine dozens of missiles being lobbed on New York, Chicago, or Los Angeles, from Canada, the Atlantic or Pacific Oceans. The U.S. would never tolerate something like that, and neither should its best ally in the Middle East. In your opinion, would this be happening right now if Donald Trump were still in the Oval Office? Unfortunately, yes. Hmm, I do believe it would be happening. Do you believe, do you believe the U.S. has had, the U.S. politics has an effect on what's happening right now in Israel? The U.S. politics is, is a major um, piece of this? I think that the equation between what the Palestinians are willing to do, depending on who's in office in the United States at the presidential level, is less important than what we've seen with the creeping jihad squad and Hamas caucus in the U.S. Congress, constituting Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and the other group of so-called progressives who are willing to condemn a property dispute, but when it comes to Jewish blood being spilled on the streets of Jerusalem, Tel Aviv, Rishon Metzion, or other areas of Israel proper, they're silent. I think the hypocrisy that is in the members of Congress's minds and in their social media posts when they're speaking about supporting the Palestinian right to self-determination, completely ignores 2,000 years of Jewish history and 72 years of, 73 years of American-Israeli history. Let's not forget, now I'm not one to, you know, say Biden or Trump, I'm a Middle East guy, I call balls and strikes. But the first world leader that Joe Biden ever met was Golda Meir on his visit to Israel in 1973, a few months before this, the Yom Kippur War. And in doing so, that started a 46-year engagement between Israel and Biden. I'm not so worried about the president, I'm worried about his advisors and those members of Congress in his own party who may steer this a very, very wrong way. And he might just be taken along for the ride. 
Greg Roman, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Coming up, some of our favorite getaways in Democrat-run states are getting dangerous, becoming homeless encampments. We're going to tell you where not to go on vacation, and we also have some news that I bet you didn't know. That's next right here on Dr. Gina Primetime. Stay with us. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. And welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. It's time for some news you didn't know. And here with us to help is our own Jessica Rivera. Jessica, great to see you. And I'm sure you heard yesterday President Joe Biden talk to the nation about the U.S. economy and how it is on the mend. But what is exactly the truth? Biden says his administration, quote, created more than 1.5 million jobs, the most in the first 100 days of any president on record. The truth? Yes. The Biden administration has created the most jobs in the first 100 days of any presidency since 1939. But the lie is the growth came from a very low point. It's not as if he created jobs in a good economy or a growing economy. It was actually from a pandemic, which he forgets to mention. Biden also says, quote, the three months before I got here, our country was creating roughly 60,000 jobs a month. We've been creating, on average, 500,000 jobs per month. The truth? Yes. During President Trump's last three months, only 60,000 jobs were being created a month. But the lie is, this is because those three months is when many states were going back into COVID lockdowns, which we all know killed jobs. During Biden's time, slowly but surely, companies have come out of those lockdowns. And finally, Biden says, quote, in the first quarter, our economy uh, grew at a 6.4% rate, outpacing growth we are seeing from our friends in the Eurozone. The truth is the economy did grow at 6.4% during the first quarter, which was up from 4.3%. The lie is during this time, European countries also went into very strict COVID lockdowns. And as we all know, the dollar is a stronger currency compared to the Euro. So pre the president is not comparing apples to apples. Uh, he is actually comparing apples to oranges. So Dr. Gina, as the saying goes, the devil is in the details and President Biden and his administration are very much taking advantage of the fact that many Americans are too busy to look into those pesky details. Hmm. And that's exactly why we have Jessica Rivera to do exactly that for us. Thank you so much for that fact checking, Jessica. Of course, Dr. Gina. Now, out in California, we know the population is shrinking there. People are leaving the state in droves, and they've even lost a congressional seat. The state's Democrat leadership is really growing. One population, though, in particular, and that is the homeless population. Here with us now, our West Coast correspondent, Amanda Head. Amanda, great to see you. Great to see you. I'm very glad that I live on the other side of L.A. from Venice Beach. 
Yes. Yeah, because Venice Beach, I, it was always one of my favorite places to go when I lived in Southern California. But now you tell us that famous boardwalk is a homeless encampment. Amanda, that's so sad. You know, I used to take my kids to the boardwalk, boardwalk there, uh, loved Muscle Beach. You know, it was, it was, it was always um, a bit of an adventure, let's say. It wasn't someplace yeah. uh, for the faint of heart, let's just say that. But, you know, you kept an eye on your children and whatever. Um, but I did take my kids there. I thought it was good for them to see all types of people, all types of living. And I did very many wonderful man-on-the-street interviews right there on Venice Beach. You wanted a wide array of opinions. That's where you went. Um, is that even doable now? No. I mean, I definitely would not recommend doing any type of man-on-the-street interviews there. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it's an area that used to be wonderful for tourism. Like you mentioned, Muscle Beach was always something to see. Uh, the Gold's Gym that was made famous there by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Eclectic little stores and eateries and coffee shops. And, you know, it, it was an interesting, it was an eclectic little area of town. And beautiful beaches, of course, but no more. Uh, you've got shootings, homeless encampments, fires blazing in these homeless encampments, businesses that are shutting down because people aren't going there because of this problem. And a lot of the residents are fed up because this is not a cheap area of town to live. You have the, the Venice Beach canals where you can have canal uh, front property, but the average price per square foot in Venice Beach is almost $1,500. So if you want a 650 square foot closet, I would say, but a teeny tiny apartment, 650 feet, that's going to cost you over a million dollars. And people there are absolutely fed up. And I just really hope and pray that this is one of those those cherry issues that finally gets people to open up their eyes and open up their minds to Democrat policies. Because here in California, that's the type of crap that's, sorry, whoops, that's the type of stuff that's propagating all across the state. No one's ever going to accuse you of not being genuine. I bet they never have, Amanda. Even on Twitter, I bet no one accuses you of that. I know they call you a lot of things. Not being genuine can't be one of them. Okay, Amanda, here is another left coast story for you. I want to ask you about the Golden Globes. That TV awards show couldn't muster up a dozen viewers each year, I don't think. But NBC says that they finally found a reason to cancel the show. They must be very excited about this. They say they aren't diverse enough. Amanda, come on. Do you believe this diversity baloney? <laughs> oh, this is so ridiculous. Sure, it's because of diversity. I'm, sh I'm sure that's the reason. It has nothing to do with the fact that you're worried about the embarrassment that you would suffer after having even fewer viewers than the Oscars, which was a record number this year. So Hollywood Foreign Press Association has been under attack for diversity issues for the better part of the last five years, of course, since Oscar so white and Hollywood turning woke. I mean, this is the left cannibalizing itself. But honestly, Gina, since America has had to endure all of these these cancel culture cries from Hollywood over the last five to ten years, Hollywood is finally canceling an entity that deserves it itself. But what are they going to do without that ceremony to, you know, pat themselves on the back and give each other trophies? I'm sure they'll find another way to uh, boost themselves up. <laughs> That's a great point, too. All right, Amanda, now it is time for our meme of the day.
Now, in this meme, we have some new mask guidelines from the famous Fauci. He says fully vaccinated people can now take their masks off in the shower as long as nobody else is home. So it is true that Fauci micromanages our mask wearing and rules for our personal lives. And so I just want to ask you, Amanda, are you going to dare to take your mask off if you are home alone in the shower? I never wear a mask. <laughs> Unless I absolutely I have to. And Gina, you know that I'm the type of person who, you know, if people give me dirty looks and things like that, I will gladly give them dirty looks right back. Um, this whole mask thing has gotten insane. I, I don't listen to Fauci anymore. I stopped listening to him a while ago, and I put this out on Twitter, I think on Sunday. I feel like the tides are turning on this, and I feel like by August, the majority of Americans, liberals included, will finally start to reject the notion that masks work. Um, I also saw something that said that he that in the UK they're recommending um, that unless if you're not wearing a mask that you don't hug face to face. So then of course someone made a meme of a person standing upright and a person doing a handstand hugging, and you can imagine uh, the incendiary nature of that <laughs> meme. Uh, this is all just absolutely ridiculous. I'm oh, in a shower Amanda. without a mask, and I'm never ever going to wear a mask ever again unless I absolutely have to to buy my groceries. There you go. All right. Thank you so much, Amanda Head, and thanks to all of you for joining me tonight. Thanks to everyone here at your new home for Real News, Real America's Voice, RAVTV. Live from Studio 6, be up next with Damon and the crew. Don't forget to join us tomorrow. We'll have more on all of these audits that you won't hear anyplace else. Hug your children. Love your God. You go boldly now and live the truth.